How many of you heard about the story of Ananias and Sapphira at least once in your life, just growing up? And it's, it's one of those stories where you just want to skip over that part in the Bible and read, read the nice parts. Because it's, it's just harsh. It's just honest and true. So I want to just dive into this. Last fall, I took a class at Fuller Seminary, and the professor was sharing about the Amazon jungle. And I might have shared this with some of you. In the Amazon jungle, there's a huge tree. And whenever a big tree dies of old age or sickness and it just falls, there's a huge physical hole in the jungle wilderness, the ecosystem. So something is always trying to fill it. So after the tree falls, Vines, plants, shrubs start growing to fill this void to get the sunlight. Weeks and weeks pass, and now it's full, and vines and branches are just intertwining, and it looks like it's being densely filled. Then a few weeks later, out of nowhere from this ground, shoots out a little sprout. The sprout, within a few weeks, becomes a few feet tall. And within a few months, it becomes this massive, 100-foot-tall tree. What, what was going on was before the tree, the tree grew, underground, this seed of a tree was growing underneath, hidden from exterior view. The real power, as this tree grew, pushed out all the other bushes, and they were all short-term, they were all small but the real power started hidden underneath. And it was profound for me to hear this analogy because for Christians, it's not the exterior behavior that makes us powerful, but it's the hidden work inside our hearts that God is forming in you that makes you stand strong and firm for life. It is a hidden work unseen in your heart that makes you strong in the Lord. And so this is pertinent to my generation because we've been burned by religion. A lot of my friends don't go to church anymore. Some of you have been burned by religion because on the facade there is this organ, choir, pastor, Bible studies, but you know at the heart of it when they go home, the hypocrisy of who they really are at the core is different. And people are sick of that, so they said, I don't need church, I just need God. And so the hidden work in our hearts is infinitely more important than the behavior of religious duties. And the question comes, what would happen if we try to focus on the exterior and not work on the interior heart? You have Ananias and Sapphira. So let's look at this. Acts chapter 5. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And the word here starts with the word but. Now, when you start with the word but, the Greek word, it literally means but, as opposed to otherwise. So it's starting off with a thought that was in chapter 4. And in chapter 4, there was a man named Barnabas. And it says this in verse 37. He was called the apostle Barnabas, which means a son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Ananias and Sapphira 
A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. What is Luke trying to convey? There was a man who did the right thing out of generosity. There was poor people, and they shared everything. By the way, what's the difference between communism and the early church? Communism says, what you have belongs to me. Christianity says, what I have is yours. Huge difference. And the early church thought of their stuff as God's stuff, other stuff. Not my church, but our church. Not my building, but our building. And Joseph Barnabas sold his land to give to the poor. And Luke is trying to convey an opposing thought. But you got this man and wife who said, hey, that's pretty cool. Let's do that too. And they try to do this, and it's, it looked really good. Let's keep reading. They sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. They say, what's the problem? So what's the problem? I mean, like, hey, if the property costs $100,000, and they're giving 90000 that's still pretty good. But here's the problem. They sold their land and gave it under the guise of, we have sold and everything that we got from this land, we're giving it all to God. Problem? It wasn't a money issue. It was a heart, truth, integrity, honesty issue. Because who are they trying to fool? They're not trying to fool the apostles alone. You can't fool God. And so Peter responds, how have you done this to let Satan corrupt your heart that you would lie to the Holy Spirit? And so the interesting thing is, Luke writes, and with his wife's full knowledge, and in Bible study on Wednesdays, we were talking about this, the word premeditation comes to mind. Like, if I accidentally sold a piece of land, it was 90000 and it happened to be ninety five. Oh, I didn't realize it was 95000 I was received. Okay, that's one thing. But if I premeditate at home, hey, this will make us look pretty good. I could tell the church, we're so generous. We sold our Catalina property. Got $10 million. We're giving it all to you. And then it's like 120 million, and we're like, ooh, we still got some money left. So there is this point. It's not about money, but it's about honesty. It's about they desiring this praise, this recognition. Look how good Barnabas looks. Everybody, look how look at Barnabas. Honey, I think we and the issue became about self-esteem, their image. We don't know exactly why. We could speculate, but the reality of the matter was they were trying to do a religious duty, but their heart was far off, and they literally dropped dead. Ananias first was confronted, and he lied, and so Peter said, you lied to the Holy Spirit, and then he dropped dead. Three hours later, his wife comes in, la, 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 doesn't know anything that's going on, and then they ask him, Tell me, Sapphira, how much was the piece of land? Was it what you gave us? And she said, yes, it is. How would you? She had a chance to 
confess. And she didn't. And she dropped dead. To God, what's more important than offering is their heart. To God, what's more important than what you do and active and, and give is the obedience and the honesty, the love, the purity, the holiness of your heart. It's always been the case. But in America, it's really easy to cover it up with religion. And that's why the next generation sees our facade and says, I don't want any of this mumbo-jumbo. But to their detriment, they're missing out on the gospel because of their previous generation. And so we have to have this integrity, and we have to have this reconciliation. So I want to probe even deeper. And when I studied this, man, we had a great discussion. And some of the Bible study members on Wednesday said, by the way, make sure we get some credit too. I was like, so Wednesday Bible study folks, thank you for your help and your insights as we dig into this word together. For me, two questions arise from this text, and maybe many questions arise for you as well. First question for me is that some of you are probably thinking, wasn't this harsh of God? Don't raise your hand, but some of you were thinking when you read this, this is a little harsh. After all, religious mindset says they gave thousands to the apostles. That money still is being used for good. They, they didn't do it with the right motive, but they still gave. Wasn't this harsh? I don't understand God. Well, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? You know, what Peter is mentioning here is when you lie to God, it matters to God. Because what matters to God is holiness. Uh, here's a scripture from St. Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Can we read it together? This is Peter writing. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. He meant well, well, Peter's saying, we have a whole different standard. We have a whole new kingdom. We have a new covenant. We have a new life. And the way you and I live is not to be good religious people, but to be holy people. And that sets the bar really high. Because I could comparatively look better than my neighbor, but when I equate myself with, am I holy? Am I living holy? That's a whole different ballgame. God looks at the heart. Uh, two verses from Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Some of you, you know this verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height or the stature because I rejected them. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks in the heart. Today's equivalent, do not look at their activity in church and how many times they worship and all the Bibles they have. That's all good. But the Lord looks at the heart. Doesn't care about what impresses people if it, the heart is far from it. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, has the, Lord, has the Lord, as God, great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen to than the fat of rams. 
What he's saying here is, Saul, you could give the greatest offerings, but more impressive than that, what you can give to God in offering is that your heart is in a right, pure place with God. See, in Acts chapter 4, the church was starting to grow. You know, when you start a new business or company, the first few days are important, right? Like if you open a restaurant with me, and the first day you open, like, like roaches crawl around, that may not be a good start. But if you're like a 50-year-old cheesesteak factory in like Philadelphia and a roach comes by, you might be able to save yourself. But in the beginning, whenever you start something big, the beginning is important. And God is saying this church does not grow based on human power, but by my power. And when my power works best is in humble people who are holy, set aside from the world, from their own fame, from their own need for recognition, and they commit fully to me. Ananias Sapphira, you failed that. The question, wasn't God being harsh with Ananias Sapphira for us, alludes to the fact that I think, this is just an opinion, this is not in the Bible, this is just Jason Coe's opinion, so you could say, that's Jason. I think in 21st century, we have gotten really comfortable with sin. It's just sin. It's just a lie. It's just sex to the point where we kind of expect it. And so I had this analogy. This is my daughters use, wore this in weddings. It's one of our very sentimental items. We're going to maybe keep this one. And can you imagine if I take this permanent marker and I do this? You know what's funny? It's a washable marker. <laughs> you know what's funnier? What was the reaction when I did that? It's just a little black line. What is your problem? You know what the problem is. Dress is ruined. It takes a little to ruin the whole. It took Adam and Eve one little sin to throw all humanity and the world cosmic being into a funk. And today, the way we view sin as people set apart to be holy is, it's just sin. And God is saying, I need the church to be holy. I need you to be holy. And we commit the sin of Ananias Sapphira today in this way. Oh, I'm doing this for God. When deep inside, it's all about you. I go to church to worship God and sing and preach. And I'm a pastor when it's all about you. And the sin of Ananias Sapphira, we do it today as elders, deacons, longtime members, church members, prevalent. Why is God being harsh? Because holiness matters to God, not your behavior. So, second question that arises from this is this. By the way, we end on a good note, so if you're feeling like dense, stay with me. Second question is, if that's true, God is holy and desires purity, and he's harsh to Ananias and Sapphira, who were Christians, by the way, and they dropped dead. Here's a question that I ask. This one, not many of you may ask it. For me, I'm weird, so I ask this. 
why are we not dropping dead left and right today? And the first answer is because the church would be empty. But here's a real answer. You ready? If sin is big to God and he sent his son to die for our sins to be forgiven, and Ananias Sapphira, as Christians committed sin, why are we not dropping dead? Because I, as a pastor, struggle with idolatry, lust, greed, image. Why am I not dropping dead? You want to know why we don't drop dead? The mercy of God in Jesus Christ and the good news. This is the reason why you and I, even as Christians, are still alive today. I mean, just think about it. Do any of us really deserve to live another day based on our merits of our lives? Like, if you're really honest, even to the world, even to non-Christians, I don't think anyone would say, I'm not perfect, but I could be better. And so, why are we not dropping dead left and right today? It's purely the mercy of God. Not your works, not your righteousness, not because you're such a swell guy, but because God's incredible mercy to the world. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's simply this. Good news is this. We are far worse sinners than we imagine. By the way, actually, it's so a scary question asking this to a church. Usually it's like, have you? And the question is, has any of you murdered? 99.9% of people time, people say no, but sometimes you never know. But anyway, most of us would say, no one, I never murdered. But this is what Jesus says is, you know, murder it. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. He's referring that to the text, you have heard that it is said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And what Jesus is saying is, you may not have murder physically, but if you were angry at anyone, you're guilty of murder. How many of us are murderers? Come on. We're in church. We're in church. If you drove in California, come on. And, and so that's just one simple illustration that we are far worse than we think we are. And the problem of religion is I am not that bad. I'm a pretty, I'm a good church person. And that's the problem. The gospel obliterates that. You're a good despite your sinfulness, because of the good news here. But God, in his infinite grace, gave us his son, Jesus Christ. I love this verse, Titus 3, 5. Let's read it together. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Why are you and I alive today when we could have dropped dead for our sins? And yes, we can because of his mercy in Jesus Christ. That is why the church cannot stand with nose in the air looking at the world saying, we're more holy than them. We never earned it. We never built our righteousness. It was done to us. Do you notice we are the passive nouns? He saved us. He washed us. What part did you do? You just received. Like a dead person receiving life. L CPR. 
Jesus Christ did it to you. And the reason why we don't fall and drop dead for our deceit, self-righteousness, pride, is because of God's mercy. So can we just take a moment and just say, God is merciful. No, I'm serious. Can you just say, God, you are merciful. I mean, this is the heart that begins to grow to become this tree when the heart comes back to God humbly and says, by your mercy alone, Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories is uh, Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, Blind the Witch in the Wardrobe. And I think it's Lucy goes into the Narnia and she's like, Aslan? He's a lion. Isn't he dangerous? Is he safe? And then Miss Beaver, Mrs. Beaver's like, oh, oh, he's not safe. He's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. I think that's a good response to, for us who say, oh, I live by God's grace. I live by God's grace. I think we use that to a point where we forget he's not safe, but thanks be to God that he is truly good. And so what does this mean for us? I think the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, has to saturate the way you view yourself. I don't know if Anna and I, Sapphira were caught up with this approval, acceptance, or image. But if they realized they were accepted by grace, maybe they didn't need to do this. For us, we're far worse sinners than we realize. That's why we can't condemn one another. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, we can be made holy. And so, the final takeaway is this. We're entering Lent. Lent starts this week. Valentine's Day is Ash Wednesday. We're going to have a little worship service. Uh, I mean, it's not required, but we're going to reflect on this reality. I am a Christian saved and forgiven, but I still sin, Lord. And I have a long way before I become like you, but I am striving in my heart to be like Jesus. Work in me. And so the only thing Ananias and Sapphira, I think, could have saved them was this honest repentance, this acknowledgement confession. And this journey of Lent is simply this 40-day journey of confessing, God, you know who I am. My sins are laid bare before you. I can't lie to you. As I reflect on your son dying on the cross and rising again, may I reflect on my continued waywardness and my pride I repent my self-righteousness I repent I die to myself so I could have all of you in me let me be that tree that grows because you're developing and growing my heart that is my prayer for you and for our community that we're not a church because we look so good but because we are heart good and it's bearing fruit good for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.